0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast presented by the Denver Post. This is sports writer Kyle Newman, joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran, breaking down the Broncos pre-draft press conference ahead of the NFL draft next weekend. GM George Payton and assistant GM Darren Muji met with the media today out in Dove Valley. We'll talk about that, break down everything they said, plus why scouts are so high Trey McBride, the top-ranked tight end in the draft out of CSU. Draft prospects for locals Chad Muma, Legend, and Max Borgie. Pomona, also Noah Ellis. Talk about him. Valor Christian product. And then finally, we'll close the show, prediction by Mr. O'Halloran. Who will the Broncos take at number 64 overall? Last pick in the second round. So, Ryan, let's start off with the news of the day. We're out there today at the Broncos' training facility. Peyton and Muji meeting with the media, what were your initial takeaways as they fielded about what, 45 minutes or so worth of questions? Yeah. yeah, and you know, I guess
1: the the overriding takeaway was they feel good about where the roster's at and they feel good about the depth of this draft in terms of what they can add and you know, whatever you know, this would be my 19th draft, but I think it's like the 17th one I've covered like like this, so there's no when there's no depth at quarterback at the top the whole draft sort of gets a knock and this is that's obviously the case this year is i wouldn't pick a quarterback in the first round you know none of these guys move the needle for me but but that doesn't mean there's good value at other spots it's a very good edge rusher class which the broncos need one it's a very good corner class the broncos need depth there so Um, I don't think they're going to get in the mix for one of those top right tackles. They'd have to really move up for that. But, you know, to to answer your question in a roundabout way, you know, they see opportunities in the late second round, two in the third, two in the fourth. They really see opportunities to um, maybe not find immediate starters, but get guys that they can develop and who can help on a rotational basis.
0: So as Peyton said today, Hey, it's pretty unlikely we'll trade up into the first round. If we are going to trade up, probably more likely in the second round, or maybe they'll trade back, just depending on where the board's at at that point. As I mentioned, they pick at sixty-four, but they have nine total selections from rounds two through seven, so it's still a pretty good haul, even considering all they traded away to get Russell Wilson in the building. But- yeah,
1: and and you know, I'm sure they if I'm sure they would love to move up, maybe and get a player. They still have any ammo. Uh, they don't have a first and second this year. Key thing is they don't have a first and second next year. Right. And, you know, one thing that George Payton has, has said consistently since he came to the Broncos, he he likes going in a draft with 10 picks. This year he's going in with nine. I think he can you – know, we'll get to it later. I think he's going to end up with more than that. Uh, but next year he only has four picks, uh, rounds three, four, five, and seven. And I asked George that. I said, hey, how much of a priority is it to add to next year's covered? And he said, Definitely. Because you can't force it, but it definitely is. That's why I think they're going to be active—not not uh, not only to maybe go after a player they like this year, but to add some some chips to their uh, to their satchel, so to speak, for 2023.
0: So Broncos have the latest initial pick in club history since 1995, when they didn't select until number 121, and it was interesting. What the
1: hell happened there?
0: I don't. They must have traded away some stockpile there for. We'll have to go look at the archives. Uh, but they didn't win the Super Bowl in 96, although I guess they won it back-to-back a couple years later. So, you
1: know. Yeah, and, and, and this is the first time, as I look up that 1995 draft, you know, it's the first time since 2012, and I'm going to write about this probably next week, first time since 2012 they have not had a first-round pick. But I think to Peyton and Darren's point is that night, that 2012 draft, Derek Wolf, Malik Jackson, Danny Trevathan, Three guys that contributed to, um, you know, a uh, Super Bowl appearance and then a Super Bowl title. So, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're grinding away on the tape, but it's on different, it's on a different cluster of players. And that was the word that George Payton used. So, all right. First round pick in, two, in 1995, the uh, Broncos traded that to Atlanta in the Mike Pritchard deal. Man. Um, uh, second round they trade okay now we're cooking second round pick in 95 they traded to the Vikings as a part of a deal for Gary Zimmerman he's in the hall of fame yeah well, that pretty good out. there we go and Then let's go to the third round I'm gonna probably put this in the paper next week since we got so many days to fill uh seven number 78 and 95 the Broncos traded the Eagles for cornerback Ben Smith so uh you know Mike Shanahan at that point they were really trading and then uh oh here's another little quick little nugget as we get on a tangent here pick number 111 in 1995 the broncos traded to the vikings one of the picks they got back was 196 which they used on terrell davis so uh so obviously that worked out for Shannon.
0: so that draft worked out pretty good is what you're telling me yeah and one
1: thing that one thing that uh, uh george was asked that said hey you know with a 33 old quarterback do you do you, does that, that shift your focus in this draft in terms of taking a guy who can help you right away or taking a guy who may be a more of a developmental prospect? He said it cannot change your focus and is it's sort of a BPA best player available, but also BFA best fit available for what Nate Hackett does on offense for each year ever, what he does on defense. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what the Broncos doing this draft because of the new coaching staff and, and, and what, what guys they think are scheme fits.
0: Well, another thing I found was interesting from today in Dub Valley, Ryan, was when George was talking about last year, trading up in the second round to get Javante, and the whole room went nuts. And, of course, Javante now looking like a pretty solid pick as he's coming into his second year with sky-high expectations and taking on that central load there probably in the backfield. But then a couple minutes later, George also added, you know – I'm not really one to just sit, stand pat and hope, you know. And and we've seen that, obviously, this offseason, notably with the Russell Wilson blockbuster, but also all these other maneuverings, uh, the wideout extensions last year, etc. So I'm anticipating some fireworks, some moves here on draft weekend. Yeah, and I think um, think it was John Tortorella, the former
1: NHL coach, where he said, safe as death. And he was asked to describe why, you know, I think it was Tampa Bay when they won the cup, 15, 16 years ago, you know, why are the lightnings so aggressive on offense and defense? He says, safe as death. And I think that's the approach you'd have to take as a GM in pro football, and specifically as a GM in the AFC West. So I if I had to set an over-under for George Payton trades next draft weekend, I would say three. Um, I don't think there's going to be a move like Javante Williams for what we talked about. They just don't have a lot of ammo to do that. Right. But but once they made that trade up for Javante, the, wheel, the floodgates open, they're making, they made a bunch of trades on Friday. And, uh, I think that will be, um, you know, something to monitor as well and something to, uh, you know, be, uh, be, uh, uh, entertained by, but, um, you know, we, we, we reviewed this, uh, pre-draft presser and you now my, my last point on that before I tee you up is, you know, people are going to tweet out "Well, they didn't say anything. Well, maybe you weren't asking the right damn questions. I thought it was very inf- informative, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm sure some of the mafia were, you know, saying that nothing was said. Well, I don't expect them to show their hand. But uh, next topic is Trey McBride, the uh, Colorado State tight end. You uh, are doing a big story on him for Sunday's print edition, uh, maybe online a little bit before then, but people can read it over the weekend. You know, when you were talking to Trey, the angle you took was Joel Dreesen another Fort Morgan tight end who played for the Broncos. You know What were some of Joel's thoughts on the parallels between him and Trey?
0: Well, of course, as you mentioned, Ryan, both those guys hailing from Fort Morgan, playing the same position, CSU greats, and Dreeson went on to play eight years in the league, two at the Broncos, the final two. And since then, you know, he's become a dad. He lives in Castle Rock. And long story short, uh, he connected with Trey while he was coming up at Fort Morgan. They kind of talked throughout the recruiting process but then when Trey got to CSU, they really got to get close. And the last couple years before CSU training camp, Trey would head down about 100 miles from Fort Collins to Castle Rock. He'd stay with Joel Dreesen for a couple days. They'd go out to dinner. They'd play golf. They'd do workouts at the park. And Joel would, you know, give him tips and pointers, drills, little techniques he thinks he should should incorporate into his game, etc. And they have just developed a close bond. And, you know, and Trey at CSU's pro day was pretty emotional. Just talking about you know what CSU meant to him and, and the chip on his shoulder, but also the relationship with with Joel and you know having him as a role model since high school and working towards this NFL dream. And, and those two have become very close. Uh, you could say you know Joel's is an advisor almost of Trey at this point, but uh, he's a reason why we saw just kind of the monster season from Trey this past season when he won the John Mackey Award for the college football's top tight end. So now he's at the top rated tight end on the board. Nice forty time at pro day, submitted that. And I'm anticipating late first round, early second round. I, I you know, I know there's been rumors, whispers, oh, could the Broncos get him at number sixty four? The Broncos could use a tight end to pair with Albert O. I don't think he's fallen that far. And like you said, Broncos lacking in ammunition to trade up for him.
1: Yeah. And, um, what, what I'd love to know about the Broncos thought process is how far would they need McBride to, to, to be available before they feel they can move up without giving up too much? Is it, is it 64 to 50? Is it 64 to 57? Uh, I don't think he makes a top 50 because I think a team will, if he's still available 45 to 50, I think a team will trade up and get him. Yeah. You know, uh contributed to this story i asked nathaniel hackett and george payton about mcbride nate gushed about him says fantastic true dual threat tight end he has a little nastiness to him in the run block in the run game and one thing that hackett said was a good point about mcbride as a blocker he goes against defensive and linebackers he just doesn't try and get in the way you know he goes he's 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 trying to get after people and then i asked george payton about mcbride also on friday and He says he's just a really good football player. You can line up all over the field. And I think George made a good point is that he was CSU's best and only option on offense. That probably accounted for just the one touchdown. But I'm looking forward to seeing where McBride
0: goes. And then some other locals that we've written about at DenverPost.com slash Broncos. Chad Muma, Max Borgie, and Noah Ellis. Chad Muma, he's got ties to the Broncos. Wyoming, inside linebacker, hails from legend and Broncos need some inside linebacking depth. Muma projects second, third round. That could be a match. Muma has met with the Broncos. That was one of the teams that he took a top 30 with. Max Borgie, he's projected to be a day three guy, the former gold helmet winner in 2017 out of Pomona. But a little slept on in this draft is, is what he thinks. He thinks he's one of the best sleepers in this draft. You look at all the running back rankings, he's... Not in the top 10 in most of them, not in the top 20 in a lot of them as well. And then Noah Ellis, as you wrote about, Ryan, he's got the dad connection who played in the NFL. He had the success at Valor Christian, then at Idaho. I'll be interested to see where the defensive lineman goes. Yeah, talk about, let's talk about Mooma first. I don't think Chad's going to make it to
1: 64 either. Um, you know, He has gained a lot of momentum. You know, productive is all get-out. Comparisons of Logan Wilson, who's now with the Bengals. And you know, teams aren't teams no longer are scared off by somebody who has diabetes. And Chad's a diabetic, has been since he was early teens, so he knows how to manage that. And I think Washington could be a possibility in the second round. They're looking for a middle linebacker in a four-three scheme that can wear the green dot right away and direct traffic. I think I think Muba would check that box. Um, Max, I mean, his chip, the chip on his shoulder has only grown since the combine, which is fine you just got to get into a camp you know once that draft is over if you're not drafted you get over the disappointment your phone's going to be ringing get in as an undrafted free agent if you're a seventh or sixth round pick even the better um you know what does you know what what are your thoughts on on, uh no i know what i was going to ask you outside of McCaffrey, if max gets drafted when's the last time a golden helmet guy got drafted but while you look that up will I will, uh, I will uh, fill in the fill in the air on Muma and, and, and Borgie with, with with Max I think his ability to catch the football in the backfield is going to help him because at the very least okay he can help you out on third down with, with Chad Muma from Wyoming and Highlands Ranch here um, you know teams are looking for every down guys and if, if he makes it to 64 the Broncos, you know, I could maybe maybe he's an option there to pair with Josie Jewell That would allow them to move Baron Browning outside and make him an edge rusher. Do we have your answer,
0: man? Looking at the Gold Helmet list right now, and of course, I've never heard of any of these guys. Yeah, McCaffrey jumps out, the 2013 winner, and he went on to Stanford, of course, and was drafted a few years later, top ten by the Panthers. But going down the list. That would be, that's a good deep dive because it looks like you'd have to go f- back far back pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Noah Ellis, who played at Baller. Uh He uh, won two state titles there. You know, Son of Luther Ellis, the former first round pick for Detroit, who finished up his career at the Broncos. I, mean, I talked to Noah last week, I talked to him at the Combine, too. It's a circuitous route to this point for young Noah. It was committed to Mississippi State. Didn't qualify academically, enrolled at Idaho where his dad was the D-line coach. in um, 18 did not play football, 19 tore his ACL halfway through the season, 20 had a shortened season, was moved to the spring. This past year he finally got his he got his wheels going, had the like 40 plus tackles in 10 games, gets to the combine, 346 pounds, runs the 40, there's his hamstring. So he's been doing rehab in addition to traveling for these top 30 visits, which included New England and uh las vegas also got interest from new orleans and arizona so uh i think he'll be a late day three pick but he is a he's he a big, is a true nose tackle in a he's three, a great guy scheme yeah or he's he's a people mover and he says he wants to play around 340 but uh you know so that's an interesting journey for ellis one more thing on movement uh, when you talk to chad where have some of his top 30 interests come from besides the
0: broncos so Ryan Muma's taken visits with the Broncos, Panthers, and Jaguars. He also had workouts in Laramie with the Bills and the Saints. He's jumped on video calls with a handful of other teams. But I expect Broncos, Panthers, Jaguars to be in the mix. And the Jags especially, I know they've got some needs at inside linebacker. And, and like you said, somebody could jump into an offense, wear the green dot right away. He did play in a 4-2-5 scheme in college, but he's comfy in 3-4 or 4-3. So... Yeah, it's going to be hard pressed to see him i agree with you fall to number 64 ryan
1: you know i i think we're you know mr because this will, this will sort of segue into our our final topic is you know predictions at 64. i think they i think they trade down uh, see if they can get out of the get out of the second round to pick up a third rounder next year start building that uh draft stock i think they got him out of ed rusher I think they got to add a right tackle, a return man, a corner, a running back. So there's a here's the thing: Russell Wilson getting him great for the Broncos. There's no denying that. They still have a lot of other holes. Yeah. And they have a lot of depth holes. I mean, they only got three true tr- tight ends on, on under contract. They only got five corners under contract. So uh, this is going to be a, a depth draft uh, definitely for the Broncos. And my prediction would be is they have, they do move out of six four.
0: I also predict they trade down, and I just think that's, like you said, it's a depth draft. It's a try and stock up at, you know, behind your starters in the, some of the positions of need, of course. Uh, right tackle, get some depth, more depth there. And like George Payton said today, accumulate more picks, more darts at the board so they can shore up those special teams. Because if you're not a starter, you're going to need to be contributing on special teams. Payton said that today, and special teams have been horrendous last few years they have to shore that up and the draft and day three is a good place to place to start in that regard so uh so you're saying it's going to be less fireworks than last year ryan when i know broncos country was hoping for justin fields or quarterback they got pat sertan yes you you were guilty of that okay but now they got pat sertan who george payton told you today would probably be a top five pick this year right yeah, yeah,
1: I said, hey, if Sertan was in this draft, where would he go? And he's like, he know, third or fourth, you yeah, know, and they went ninth to the Broncos. So, yeah, yeah, the Wilson trade covers up that pretty well. But um, you mentioned the fireworks. This, this is going to be a workmanlike draft. I mean, you you know, Bronco fans who are listening to this, you uh, the hardcore guys are going to the hardcore guys and gals who follow the draft and follow this team you're going to be the ones who can recognize these names on saturday when they're drafting you know, maybe two or three guys in the sixth and seventh round but you never know who falls a little bit who maybe is coming off an injury that you can take uh, around later than anticipated so that's the you know as george payton says you know the draft is like his, one of his favorite things of the year I'm with them. Uh, it's a little less exciting because they don't have a, you know, a first-round pick, and that would have been so much of our focus in the paper. But it is—it's uh, a—it's a way to help your team, and it's a way to you know, just
0: discover uh, some great stories. And this has been the first and Orange podcast. That's Ryan Hauer, and this is Kyle Newman. Appreciate you listening in to today's show. Head to DenverPost.com/broncos for continued coverage of the team and of the draft heading into next week and beyond. Appreciate you listening in to today's show. Until next time, folks, take it easy.